Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are Oh
coming to chapel today. Welcome to those helping us in person, and welcome to everyone joining us virtually. Today, we are joined by guest speaker Eric Brian Martin from Mennonite Mission Network. We're so glad that he could make it and talk with us today. This morning, we light the peace lamp to remember the ongoing peace efforts in Colombia. Please join me in prayer. God, be with us in this space today. Open our ears and our hearts to your message. Let this be a time of restoration and renewal for all of us. In your name we pray, amen.
Jeremiah 29, 7. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. Good morning. We are pleased to have Eric Fry Martin with us to come speak about his work with Mennonite Mission Network. And a bit about Eric. He started with Mennonite Mission Network in February of 2020, but prior to that, he served with his wife Kelly through Mission Network in Columbia, working with the Colombian Mennonite Church in the areas of youth ministry, leadership development, and theological and biblical education. He is passionate about uncovering ways to usher in the reign of God uh, to our present reality here on earth. He has a BA in religion from Bluffton University in Ohio and a Master of Divinity degree from Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart. Uh, Eric and his wife Kelly live in Goshen here and attend Silverwood Mennonite Church. So we want to invite Eric up at this time. Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. I know this is uh, somewhat normal for you guys, but guys, this is fun. Like, I'm here, you're here, people are watching. They sang, and it was good. And uh, yeah, I just, I haven't been to like a service in like a year that wasn't on Zoom. Um, I've been speaking to a lot of people, but it's always through a screen. And so I recognize I'm doing that now to a lot of you, but. Thank you guys for being here. So, uh, as Joanne said, my name is Eric Fred Martin, and I work for Mennonite Mission Network. And th this verse from Jeremiah uh, 29 7, uh, which was read earlier, is, is one uh, that, that we sometimes use to talk about what, we, what it is we do, what it is that we work towards. And it's one that I've been thinking a lot lately uh, as we've gone through this past year uh, in a pandemic and all the other things going on. And so as we think about this idea of seeking the welfare of the place we're at, of the city we've been led to, because it's in that welfare where we'll find our own welfare. The tricky thing though here is that God is speaking to the Israelites and the city that they are in is not their own. It's not their capital, Jerusalem, but rather it's Babylon. And it's the city that these people have been taken almost hostage to. Babylon, whose empire has come and destroyed Israelite and their cities and taken them captive. And this is where God is asking these Israelites to seek the welfare of. And the part that I keep coming back to is this end of the verse, for it's in the welfare of the city, it's in the welfare of Babylon that you will find your 
own welfare. Now let's be clear, the, the way I'm presenting this to you right now could almost seem like this is a call for the Israelites, these oppressed people in this time, to just kind of lay down and let the Babylons do whatever is good for them, to just step aside and be subservient to their oppressors. But that's not what's going on here. In the verse we read, uh, we use in our English language words like welfare or prosperity and peace. But the Hebrew word being used here is shalom, which, again, we use peace often to represent shalom, but shalom means so much more than that. When we use peace, we often mean the absence of conflict, but when shalom is used, it's not just peace, but it's the presence of justice. It's the presence of right relationships. It's the presence of enoughness for everybody, for the whole community. So rather than it being a call to be obedient to the authorities or to oppressors, it's rather a call to recognize that we are all interconnected. That my well-being is caught up and connected to your well-being. That indeed my salvation and welfare is caught up with my neighbor and even my enemy. Perhaps this concept of interconnectedness, perhaps we can see this even better in the midst of this past year, in the midst of a pandemic, when it's pretty obvious how sickness spreads and we are dependent on one another to stay healthy. As we find ourselves in situations where the health of my neighbor, the health of you guys, right, is directly dependent on my health. And where your health affects my health. Perhaps we also see this in this past year in the midst of division and racism that has been so exposed in our systems. And Martin Luther King Jr understood this concept well and talked about it a lot, this idea of interconnectedness. And he says, and I quote, in a real sense, we are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. This idea of interconnectedness, of shalom or peace being holistic and reaching every part of our communities and existence the idea that there is not us and them, only us, I believe is at the heart of God's message to the Israelites in this passage. And perhaps also at the heart of God's message to us today. As Joanne mentioned in the introduction, my wife and I served uh, with Mission Network in Colombia, in South America, from 2017 to 2020. Now for a little Context, and I appreciate us lighting the peace candle uh, for the ongoing peace efforts in Colombia. For a little context, Colombia is a, a country that has experienced over six decades of almost continuous civil war with factions like guerrilla groups and paramilitary groups. The national military drug cartels have all terrorized the country. And in 2016, uh, a peace process was started between the government and the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, more commonly known as the FARC, 
which was the largest guerrilla group in the country. And this was a, a significant step towards peace, but there still exist many anti-government groups. A lot of injustice and fighting continues uh, in, in the country. The Mennonite church there, especially while it's fairly small, has been very influential in working towards peace within the country. In the last couple of years, another factor has come into play in this whole process as Colombia's next door neighbor, Venezuela, has now had serious problems with a government that has impoverished its citizens and created a situation in which over two million Venezuelans have fled the country and gone to Colombia. This, of course, puts a strain on, on the infrastructure in Colombia and just adds another factor to the web of interconnectedness that exists in that region. And one of the ways that the church is responding is that it set up a refugee center at one of its churches on the northern coast of Colombia near the Venezuelan border. At the church itself, it houses 45 Venezuelan families. And with the help of the United Nations and the World Hunger Project, it feeds over 1,200 refugees each day. In January of 2019, me and my wife went and visited this church for a couple of days. It's in the city of Rio Acha on the Caribbean coast. While we were there in the capital city of Bogota, which is where we lived, there was a bombing at a police training school. The bomb killed 11 people and injured hundreds. But it was, it was significant also because it represented an act of terrorism that had been less commonplace uh, since the peace agreement. And so this act of terrorism, the worry was that it represented a regression back to a more violent society in which bombings and mass killings were more commonplace. So as we were in the city of Riohacha on the coast, visiting this church, after this bombing in the capital, the whole country sort of in each city had a prayer and remembrance service. So at the center of each city, there's usually a plaza with a Catholic church. And in these plazas there, was held a, a prayer for peace, a time for prayer and peace, to remember those who had died. <clears throat> so we went with this group, with a group from this church that we were visiting to the plaza. And the church, since it serves so many Venezuelan refugees, is made up mostly of Venezuelans, and so our group included many. After a short prayer service, hundreds of people gathered in the town where there was a dove painted on the ground. And when I say a dove, I mean this exact dove, like from Mennonite Mission Network. So I turned to my wife and I was like, are we in charge here? I didn't know. But ironic as that was, and it is a fairly common symbol for peace. We were instructed, we were all given candles and instructed to, to lay the candles on the outline of this dove that had painted, was painted in the plaza. And it was a beautiful attempt to renew the commitment to peace, even in the face of a violent bombing. However, with the town being on the coast, there's almost always a good breeze coming off the ocean. And so as candles got placed on the ground very quickly, most of them got blown out. 
And it seemed at first that we would just be content with our effort to make this happen. But that we were going to give in to the reality that the ocean wind was just not going to let it be. However, a young boy from our group, a Venezuelan refugee of seven or eight, decided that he was going to try and start lighting these candles again from the few that were still lit. Soon his dad joined him, and then other kids started joining in. These Venezuelans who probably have little connection to the violence and the history of Colombia, but they know their own struggles. They know what it means to be displaced, to have their efforts at peace and stability wiped out by the violent winds of powerful and dominant systems, who probably recognize that the welfare of the place that they are at is directly connected to their own welfare. They are the ones who stepped up in this act of resistance to say, we will not let this die too, this beautiful thing, not yet. And soon many more were participating in this back and forth with the wind. Most of the candles would be lit, and then a breeze would come and blow most of them out, and they would start again. And soon it became like a game, and everyone joined in, in the struggle that became more manageable and even enjoyable. Perhaps like the Israelites who had been exiled to Babylon, this boy and his family had been exiled to a different land as well. With no power, but just the persistent faith that there is more beauty to be found in this world. There is more love to be shared. There is joy even in the midst of sorrow. That we are caught up together in this thing called life. And that there is no us in them. There is only us. This boy stood witness to God's call to seek the shalom of the place in which he had been carried. And chose to act in his way to spread God's light and love in that place. May we all, too have eyes to see what God is doing in our midst, and may we have the courage to join in. As you are in the place where God has carried you today, may you look around and see how God is working and join in that work to seek the shalom of where you are. To end, I will just say, as a representative of Mennonite Mission Network, we have opportunities for people who are looking to join in God's work in the world. And if you're someone who, who's looking for such an opportunity, whether it's while you're a student here or after you graduate, then I would love to talk with you more. And we have opportunities uh, like Mennonite Voluntary Service, uh, which can take place after you graduate. While you're still a student, we have uh, youth venture trips that take place in the summer, uh, going to places like this summer, we are having a civil rights tour of the South, one that will take place here in the, in the Midwest, uh, following the trail of death uh, that Native Americans walked. And so we are interested in seeing what God is doing in our midst and joining in that work, whether it's here, uh, across the street or around the world. 
and as followers of God, I hope that we can all join in that work. Thank you again for allowing me to be here with you all this morning for this opportunity, and may God bless each of you.
Thank you all so much for coming today. Um, I hope your week is filled with many blessings. Go in peace. Thank you.